I wanted to uh, just, I'm going to toss this to you, Pastor Barry. Uh, I wanted to allow the message to continue to set the stage for what God continue wants, can, God wants to still do this evening. So I still want our time of worship and prayer to be the centerpiece of what we're doing, not the message, not anything else. And, and just for instruction purposes for the prayer team, you guys have the night off. I want you to receive ministry as well. So go ahead and take those badges off and toss them away. Toss them away. No, I'm just kidding. But what I want you to know is uh, as we, as we uh, turn in our Bibles to John chapter 8, if you're using your Bible app, you can actually look up tonight's message with the event section and just uh, you can follow along. There's notes on there as well, but we'll have it on the screens. For those of you that are watching online, I just wanted to appreciate you uh, tuning in. And we know that God has got some significant things in plan uh, in store for your lives. And we hope to see you at one of our services in the future. We know that um, the online experience is a great experience, but nothing trumps coming together with the people of God to celebrate the name that's above every other name. And his presence is always tangible every time we show up. I know that tonight what makes First Wednesday so special is that our students are here they're together. We have the Mosley campus with us, and I know they've just celebrated two years. And so can we just give these guys a hand? I just wanted to express my appreciation to the launch team, that the dozens and dozens of folks that had kind of gone out two years ago, and those of you that have joined the team since, that your work there is not yet finished, and God's doing a great thing. And so we're continually praying that, that the kingdom of God would be realized in that area. And then as we... Um, as we get to the end, what I want to do is, I'm sure you've come in today, and it takes, a, it takes a little bit of time for us to break through our circumstance and to enter into worship, but I don't want you to forget about the circumstances that you're going through tonight, and, the, and it's the full spectrum of stuff that we're facing, whether it's stuff related to work, stuff related to relationships, stuff related to sickness or disease within your own body, hardships or struggles, temptations as students, the things that we face, I want you to know that I want you to keep those things on the forefront of your mind. We know this, that Jesus has won our freedom, and we know that the enemy, I always tell you this, is that the enemy, there's always an onslaught of the enemy on our lives, but you have to realize that you are not the the reason why the enemy is attacking you, you're not the target of his attacks. He's actually going after God. And the enemy realizes that it's God that he, can't, he cannot unseat the Lord God. He is seated on the throne. He's seated in a place of victory. There's nothing that he can do to change that fact. That will remain true forever until the end of time. But we know this is that God has created me and you for a time such as this. But he's given us the power to choose whether or not we're going to follow him or not. And so what the enemy will try and do is he'll do everything he possibly can to keep you away from the promises that God has for you. And so it feels as if at times that you and I are in the middle of a war zone. So I want you to keep those things in mind as we're talking tonight. And so I want you to remember John chapter 8. We're in John chapter 8, and I believe we're going to be starting at John uh, verse 36. And so in, in, just in the book of John, just so you understand what's going on, is John the Baptist rolls on the scene. He's like, move, get out the way. Jesus is here. We want to make sure that you've made a way for him. He's ready to do something great. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, and he starts just blowing it up in a good way. He starts performing all these signs and wonders and miracles, feeds the 5,000. He's doing all these amazing things. And then I don't know about you, but whenever you reach a place of success in your life, do you ever notice that haters start to step to the plate and start chiming, uh, sounding off on the things that you're accomplishing for the good? And for whatever reasons, the haters start hating. 
And I, that's what was happening in this particular part of John. So now the religious leaders, they're so fed up with Jesus. Jesus is making some statements. He's making some claims about who he is. And these guys aren't having nothing to do with it. And so as we fast forward a little bit, um, Jesus is now talking in verse 31. He's talking to those that had believed in him. And so you can follow along. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So verse 36, and this is where I want us to say, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so as believers then, as Christians, I'm just asking you something, and don't outwardly respond, don't lift your hands or anything, but if the Son has set us free and we're free indeed, why is it at times in our lives that we don't feel free? Why is it that we feel like we're prisoner or we're shackled to our addictions and our struggles and our insecurities and our fears and our anxieties? Why is it that our sicknesses and our disease, it feels that we are being held captive to, towards those things? And I, I remember, I don't know if it was Troy or somebody else, but they were kind of wrestling with something going on in their lives. And it's that they believe in the word of the Lord. They've heard the word of the Lord. They understand that we're on the winning side. But why is it that we still feel such, almost like a prisoner to the very things that we're going through. And so I'm not going to explain the why, because Pastor Sam preached about that a couple of weeks ago, about the why we have pain and suffering. But I wanted to use that as a basis to share something. And so I wanted to give you a quick Sunday school analogy. But if you are trying to get to a particular destination, I've got here a, a map of Texas. And if I told you, I need you to use the map of Texas to get me to Toronto. And so we're going to say, for example, Toronto is the promised land, because it is, but I'm just saying. If we use this map of Texas to get to Toronto, it is virtually impossible. I can ask Pastor Derek, Pastor Derek, use this map and help me get to the city of Toronto. You won't be able to do that. Sometimes in the circumstances that we face, we use our circumstances as the means to determine whether or not we can get to the destination that Jesus has wanted us to, to get to. And we look at our situation, and we talk about our sickness, and we talk about our disease. We talk about our insecurities and our fears. We talk about the things that we struggle with, and we use that basis to determine whether or not we can get to that place of freedom that Jesus talked about. It's impossible to use that framework in that context to get to somewhere that Jesus has set for us. What's important is that we hold the word of God as true, and we don't use anything else but the word of God as the basis to determine whether or not we can get to the place that he has called us to. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And so what I've been telling you over the last you know, few years that I've been sharing messages and sharing, uh, preaching, whatever you want. When I, whenever I've gotten up here to share a message, I've been giving you, giving you the nuts and bolts of our faith. The very simple things that we have to do. And, and recently, I think it was back in April at the last first Wednesday, I kind of talked about the reading of the Bible and, and, and praying and stuff like that. But there are spiritual disciplines that you and I have to put into practice in order for us to really experience, walk in, and run 
in these freedoms that Jesus has given to us. And so here's what I want you to know. This is the main idea, is that intimacy with Jesus is cultivated and the means through which we experience true freedom. Let me say that again. Intimacy with Jesus is cultivated and the means through which we experience true freedom. And so I wanted to be very careful in how I worded that, that point that I was trying to make to you. Intimacy is something that you have to constantly work at. It is something that is very close and something that is very special between a husband and a wife. But if you're not married, you can attribute that to even the crew or the group or the family or the friends that you hang around with. When you are, when you are hanging out maybe at somebody's house, it might be an intimate setting where just the people that are in your inner circle are together. And it's a special and significant environment. That intimacy and that place of relationship is something that you cultivate on a regular basis. And so I wanted to, I wanted to just remind you of two things, and I'm going to give you a third thing, and that's where we're going to hang out for a little bit. So when it comes down to talking and growing in this relationship with Jesus Christ, we're supposed to cultivate this place of intimacy with Jesus. So there's two things that I've told you about in, in messages past. The first thing is to talk with God often. Talk with God often, and that's your prayer. Talk with God. When we're rookies in the faith and we're really new at this thing, we actually talk to God. It's a, one, one line, it's a monologue. We're telling God everything that's on our laundry list of needs, but there is something that Jesus wants to do in prayer is that there's a dialogue, there's a conversation, there's an interaction, there's, there's something that's happening between you and the Father through the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing, again, I'm not spending any time on this, is we apply the scripture daily. We apply the scripture daily. It's not about reading the word. It's not about memorizing the word. It's about applying the word of God. And so we do that daily. We, pray, we talk, to, talk with God often, and we apply the scripture daily. But here's where I want to hang out for a little bit, is in this next point, is we, we, we recalibrate weekly. Recalibrate weekly. And there's this thing that's called the Sabbath. And so I wanted to take just a few moments to talk about the purpose and the practice of the Sabbath. In order for us to understand the purpose of the Sabbath, we have to go back to, the Gen back to Genesis chapter 1. And if anybody has picked up the Bible at any point in time, everybody that has picked up the Bible has read at least Genesis chapter 1. And so what it talks about is God, in, in six days, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and woman, and then he, give, he tells Adam and Eve, listen, I've got roles and responsibilities for you. I want you to take dominion over all things. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. So in six days, he does all this stuff, and then he tells Adam, listen, you've got some work to do. You've got places to go. You've got things to accomplish. You've got these things to do. Then the seventh day rolls around, and the Bible says that um, on the seventh day, God rested, and so let me read this. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing so that the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because he rested on it from all the work and creating all that he had done. So in the beginning, God models this thing. And I don't know if he told Adam on that particular day that, hey, Adam, you're going to chill out and rest. Adam's chomping at the bit. He's going to bed on the sixth night. And he's ready to know, or he's ready to get up that next day and go to work, do something, accomplish something. And then we wake up on the seventh day, and God's like, today we rest. He hadn't even done anything just yet, but yet he called him to a place of rest. And so we fast forward now a little bit, and we end up in Exodus, where Exodus talks about one of the Ten Commandments about remembering the Sabbath. And it says this, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. And students, this is where you got to ask your mom and dad, when is our day of rest? Nor male or female servant, nor any animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now fast forward now into the book of Numbers. Now we have this, this, this law in full effect. Listen to what happens. I think it's on the screens. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought, to Moses, brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly. And they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stole him, uh, must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord had commanded. Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, it is straight savage, the things that we read about in the Old Testament. These guys are nuts. They're ruthless, the things that they accomplish. So this guy that's not even given a name, he just gets stoned to death for picking up wood. We don't even know if he installed some kind of a, a fire pit in his backyard and he just wanted to invite some of his friends over and, and put the wood on the fire pit. But he is stoned to death. In 2016, there is nobody that I've ever heard of that's been drug out into the streets and stoned because they, did, they uh, violated the Sabbath day. But for whatever reason... We work ourselves to death. We do it to ourselves. And we wear ourselves out when God has called us to a place of rest. He instituted something thousands of years ago for our own benefit. And we, sometimes we do these things. We work nonstop in the name of productivity. We work nonstop in the name of getting something done because we've got to accomplish something. We do things in the name of, hey, this world will not carry on or go on without me and we forget those things and so listen to me i love you a whole lot i love you a whole lot i love you a whole lot i'm not here to beat you up i'm not here to say hey are you t are you are you um fulfilling the sabbath day or not that's not what i'm trying to do so don't be thinking oh put it putting your head down going i really stink at this thing that's not the point but i want you to understand see now you understand the purpose of the sabbath but i want to under i want to help you with this tool of the practice of the sabbath and so I want you to know that we have to recalibrate weekly. We pray often, we apply scripture daily, but we recalibrate weekly. God called this, this method, this way of being, this spiritual discipline to help us get into closer intimacy with him. So number one, this is what I want you to do. In a seven-day period, when is your day of rest where you can recharge and replenish and, and just refocus on what really where God wants you to be. So the first thing is guard a day of rest. Guard one day of rest. Now it's going to look different for everybody. You're like, should I do it on the Saturday? Should I do it on the Sunday? Is it on a Friday? I don't know exactly when right now because things are, are flying off the handle. The wheels are about to come off. I'm not exactly sure when. All I'm saying is as you move forward, let's guard a day of rest. Rest your body. Rest your mind. It's okay, I'm giving you permission based on what the word of God says, it's okay to take a break and shut things off. And so if I, I wanted to share a little bit of, about my testimony, but I know that when we think about the 24-7 mentality, I think God wired us to be 24-6. And so I really encourage and challenge you to really think through, and it might be easy for me to say, 
but I really want you to guard that day of rest. Remember, that framework that we have, you might look at the situation that you're scheduling your calendar right now and say, this is impossible. I can't accomplish these things. But I want you to talk with your family. I want you to talk with your spouse. Talk with your friends and try and sort through what a day of rest could look like for you. The first practice of the Sabbath is to guard a day of rest so that we can recalibrate weekly. The second thing is this, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back, is reset your focus on God through worship. Reset your focus on God through worship. It is crucial that in our day of rest, that that's why we actually come together regularly. And did you ever notice that when you come in, that it feels like you hit the reset button on your walk with Jesus? You hit the reset button on the, on the issues and the things that you're facing? Why does that happen? Because we've, not we, but collectively, we have cultivated an environment where we focus on God. And as we focus on God, that's what worship is all about. Pastor Trevor has taught this for many, 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 many years that I've been with him. Worship is focused. Whatever you're focused on for a prolonged period of time, that will be the very thing that you worship. And so I want you to use the, use the opportunities that have been given to you. And so throughout your day and throughout your week, worship can become a powerful thing. When you're struggling with questions and have unanswered things that you're wrestling with, I hope that you would go to a place of worship where you can acknowledge once again, we've been singing about this resurrected king is resurrecting me from my, 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 my difficult situation. You might say it's Wednesday. I'm thinking about laundry that needs to be done. I'm thinking about lunches that need to be made. I'm thinking about what's on the calendar for tomorrow. All I'm saying is pause for a minute. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And these are the sounds of worship. I hope and I pray that you would get to a place where when we come together, the words on the screen, all they become are a catalyst for you to jump into worship. There's nothing more powerful than, than worship that's birthed within the heart. And as we lift up the sound and the wor- the sounds of worship and the sounds of praise, this is what the sounds of worship are. You start with this and you articulate it with your mouth. You can say something like, God, I thank you for, and you fill in the blank. That's worship to the Father. God, you are, and you fill in the blank. You are my forgiver. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're my sustainer. You're my banner. You're my victory. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my understanding. God, when I don't have a clue, you're the one that comes in like a flood. You're the one that raises a standard against me. God, you are. That's the sounds of worship. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And as we go into a time of just let's worship. Let's worship the Lord. I don't want it just to be just something we do at the end of the service to check it off. God wants to meet with you. And another thing, another sound of worship, God, your word says, you said I'm the head and not the tail. You said that no weapon formed against me will prosper. God, you said I'll be the victor. God, you said this, you said this, you said this. You remind God of what it is that he said in worship. Worship then becomes a lifestyle. And so as we kind of close out the message time, let it launch us into a place of worship. Intimacy with Jesus. Remember that point? Intimacy with Jesus. 
That's something that you and I have got to cultivate. We've got to cultivate. I cannot do it for you, but I can do it for me. In the midst of my situation and my circumstance, God, you're able. And if the Son has set you free, friend, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. And so I no longer want you to feel prisoner or shackled. I don't want you to feel that there's a cloud hanging over your life, that this thing will never change, that these situations will never find uh, the, the end of the tunnel. I believe that your moment to receive that breakthrough, it's in the here and now. How can I say something like that? It's because Jesus is here. And where he is, there is freedom. And if you want to experience that freedom, then I'm saying be free. Don't allow your circumstances to hold you back. Don't let it keep you down. Don't let it get in your way. You are the victor. You are more than conquerors. And so listen, as we spend time in worship again, I want to... It's such an honor and it's such a privilege to be able to, to pray for you. And if I want to just open the altars right now. And as we take these last 15 minutes, I'm going to hand it over to these guys to just lead as the Holy Spirit leads. I don't even know if they know what they're going to do. But I'm giving them the freedom to be led by the Spirit of God. And so as we take this time to pray for your needs. <laughs> sorry. As we take these, this time to pray for your needs, as you step forward, it's not even my prayers. I believe that you are exercising the faith that we have in this room, the evidence that things hoped for, things not yet seen. Let faith arise in this place. And listen, if you want prayer today, if you're a student, if you're struggling with something, I encourage you, step forward. Lead the charge today. If you're around this room, no matter how old, how young, no matter how long you've been battling it, step forward and let's pray together. God, I just pray right now that in this place, faith would arise. Again, there is nothing that's too difficult for you, and I believe that you want to have your way in this house. And so I pray that as faith arises and as we begin to lay hands on people, I pray that the freedom that you talked about would be experienced today. So let it be done. In Jesus' name we pray. If you need prayer, would you make your way to the front and let's pray, get this thing prayed for.